Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're talking with new dad, Jeremy Buchek, about his perspective on the whole pregnancy, labor, birth, postpartum thing. Part birth and postpartum story, part helpful tips and reflections, this two-part episode goes deep into the birth partner's experience to help your partner know a bit more of what to expect. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Bebo Mia, offering online training, mentorship, and community for pregnancy, birth, and parenting businesses. If you're looking to help new and expecting parents in a way that's sustainable for you, then check out their many certifications. Right now, take advantage of their Black Friday 40% off sale on all their trainings. Learn more at bebomia.com. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Expectful, an evidence-based guided meditation app created specifically for those trying to conceive pregnant or new moms. Reduce your stress, reduce your complications, and improve your connection to your baby and partner. Learn more and sign up for a free two-week trial at expectful.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. Thanks for listening and for all your messages. If you like what you hear, then do consider telling your friends about it, subscribing, and or leaving a review. Whatever you do, I truly appreciate it. Also, if you'd like to share your birth, postpartum, or breastfeeding story on the show, then please send me a message using the email address stories at birthful.com. That's stories at birthful.com. And yeah, let's get your story out in the world. Awesome. Okay, so it is almost Thanksgiving in the U.S., and that definitely makes me think how I'm truly grateful for every single one of you out there listening. Thanksgiving is a time to be grateful to give thanks, but it's usually also followed by some really significant sales. So I'm also going to jump on that. And for the rest of this week and until the end of the month, my birth partner's toolkit and my Thrive With Your Newborn Postpartum Preparation online class will both be 50% off. 50% off. You do not need a coupon code or anything. I'm making it super easy for you. Just go to birthful.com and click the links to what you want. At these prices, you might as well just get both of them, right? Learn more at birthful.com. All right. This year, I've gotten several requests asking for a show where I get a, a birth partner or a dad to come on and tell us about their perspective on the whole pregnancy, birth, and postpartum experience. And I'm super happy to say that that's what we're going to do today. However, covering all of that is a lot of information. And my guests had tons of amazing insights and suggestions to share. So once we started talking, it was pretty clear this was going to be a two-part episode. And that's what it became. So you've been warned. This is part one. And today we're going to be touching upon postpartum stuff, pregnancy, and some of early labor. And then for the rest of it, you have to come back next week. All right, let's get to it. Welcome, Jeremy. It is so nice to have you here on the show. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So I think we need to tell all the listeners, like give them a little bit of background of how how this idea for this show came about um and it's partly yours partly my own like somebody put a bug in my ear a few months ago a listener sent me an email requesting that I do a show with dads asking you know about their point of view and how they experience birth and then you are what you know I was your doula (laughs) for you and your wife and during our postpartum meeting, you said there were these things and this and this. All dads should know this. And I was like, ha ha. So let's have you come on the show. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it went very much like that. I, uh, I was missing some of the instructions, some of the little details. I, I love details, especially when I'm going to go into something new. Uh, I don't like to be surprised. And I was missing some of the details as far as uh, what's expected either of the dads or the partner. Um, everything is surrounded so much around the mother that, and, and, you know, (laughs) well-deserving, absolutely well-deserving, especially if they're going through it alone, but not having, uh, the opportunity to get some of the details is what kind of 
set me back a little bit and looked at it, or I'm sorry, made me take a back a step back and look at it and think, man, I wish that I had somebody just lay out a few details and a few real uh, uh, good pointers. Yeah, which is you know absolutely great idea, and also being. Being a doula, being a nurse, being like any of the care providers that are there in the midst of it, there's, as time goes by, there's a lot of things that are no longer, you know, you just know, but forget that the partners don't know this or that you have to explain. And and fair enough, like during the meetings, we do talk a lot about things, but there's so much that you can't get to that I really appreciate that we're doing this now to get your fresh point of view that you you know these things that you learned along the way or were missing or that were unexpected to you so that other dads and other partners will have the benefit of your (laughs) of your trial and error of your experience yeah i i think one of the most eye-opening things early on was walking into the back room of an ob's office and i had never been anything past the uh front waiting room and that was that was interesting. It was just different. Right. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, see, like all these things. I never even thought about that. Took that for granted because it's just such an intricate part of their life. So, okay, so let's, let's get right to it then. Um, anything else we need to, like, let's add your, your daughter is yeah. a month today, it happens. Tell us a little yeah. bit about that. Uh, about today or about when it happened? Well, about the last month, I think. I'm going to start with the end, I guess, is how I'm doing okay. this. <laughs> I don't want to go backwards, but definitely let's start with the end and then go back to the, yes. the early. Yeah, we'll go back to uh, that OB back room. <laughs> yeah, that was early. Uh, so Eloise, uh, Eloise Kathleen Buchek is my daughter, and she is just amazing. You know, it's it's interesting how after... Uh, or even during the birth, and then right afterwards, I looked at it as uh, a really big responsibility. And like, man, I have a daughter now. This is great. But it's interesting to look at e- about every three days. It feels like I fall in love even harder. Mm. And it feels like every time she makes eye contact, which is more and more, and every time she smiles and laughs and does something that's not either sleeping or or pooping <laughs> or, <laughs> or farting or feeding. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when anytime she does something resembling a child versus an infant or a newborn, it's just like I I fall head over heels again and I I get a little vacant. But it it's so wonderful. And the past the past month has absolutely flown by. Mm-hmm. I mean I cannot put into words how quickly it's gone. Uh, it, the first two weeks, I took two weeks off for, uh, I had to use vacation time because my company was too small for uh, like fi- uh, family shared leave, mm-hmm. family leave. I can't remember the acronym. Family. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, now, now I'm drawing a blank. Never I know mind. I did it to you. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, so it, it didn't quite work out. So I used two weeks of vacation and I can, the first week I barely remember. It was trying to figure some things out and trying to – it was looking at my wife and going, you know, what do we do? Who, who does the next hour? Who takes care of this and that? And we did breastfeeding. We are predominantly – or actually, we are only doing breastfeeding. So it's not like I could even help with that. I kind of, I kind of felt helpless uh, while she was feeding. I wish that I could help. I I hated waking her up in the middle of the night knowing that she's only had like – four or five hours of sleep in the last 24 hours and saying, Hey, you know, Eloise is hungry. Um, and that was only because I'm a light, lighter sleeper than she is. So that part is, is one of the tougher parts that I just wasn't expecting feeling helpless um, because you're not supposed to do a bottle for this long. You're not supposed to do this and that and all of the recommendations between uh, nibble confusion and, um, you know, no pacifier, pacifier's okay, thumb's okay, not okay, and everybody has input. So There's it's many opinions. Find, yeah, it's trying to find your own way through it, and that's what we really did that first week, is just trying to figure out what it's like to have a newborn in your house all of a sudden. Yeah. So and that, it, that, go, go ahead. ahead. 
<laughs> that was interesting to me because it was, you know, it was just a Friday and we were hanging out and then we had to go somewhere for a couple of days and came back with a newborn. Right. Right. And then you actually got to take this newborn home and then what? Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that point that you make regarding the breastfeeding, that that's something that a lot of parents, a lot of partners experience because it's if you're doing exclusive breastfeeding, it's like a biological imperative that moms are the ones that are, you know, have to sort of really bear that burden. Um, and it's a delight, too. It's not just a burden. But. And, and and a lot of partners do feel a little helpless. I think the idea there that can be really helpful is is I mean I don't know what 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 did you find anything that helped ease the guilt or did what did you guys figure out during that first week that would be helpful or get you more integrated into the process? Well, I, as you know, Eloise has a very strong suck. Sure so, does. <laughs> I mean, when she came out, her first feeding. Um, she actually missed the mark and left a small hickey within a couple of seconds. So she's she's got an incredibly incredibly powerful suck, but uh, she also didn't have any sort of nibble confusion that we could find early on. So we started, I think, uh, last Monday. So it would have been the beginning of the third week. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen actually bought uh, the Haka, which is this silicone molded. Um, I don't know apparatus. I guess. Yeah, it's that, called it's called a silicone breast pump, and it's not there. quite a pump, but it's it's like a milk. It rescues the milk that would otherwise drip away. Like if you're feeding on one side, it's that other breast, right? But yeah. there's some suck to get it on and to keep it on. It brings out some suction, so it does do some sucking, sort of pumping action. So it's it's a miracle thing like that. I love <laughs> that. Really- it's really cool because it's like a suction cup to where it's all passive. There's no batteries or plug-in or anything. It's just the shape of it. And she was able to get a couple of ounces out over the course of a day. And then uh, she decided to, we, I should say, we decided to give it a shot. I'm not pumping, but <laughs> I'll take some some help in the decision-making. Yep. Uh, that let's pump a little bit and see what we can get. So I've been able to give, we give her a bottle once a day of breast milk. And she has zero issue with any sort of nipple confusion. Uh, we were going to try and hold off on pacifiers as long as possible. And it just turned out that she really enjoyed uh, calming herself with a pacifier. So she originally started with it sucking her thumb and she didn't have control of her hands and arms. So they would, it would pull out. And, um, recently her thumb would like shoot over to mm. the side and stab herself in the gums or the cheek and she'd get upset. So oh. We gave her a pacifier, and she calmed down very quickly and was, uh, it seemed to be overall happier and less crying and less, you know, purple face. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. And <laughs> so, that's the thing. Like, I don't think there's really nipple confusion. I think we've we've mislabeled that. And then yeah. now it's more understanding that it's, regarding bottles, it's more of milk flow preference so the bottle just comes out and just gl- 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 gussles into her which for the breast she needs to work so it there could be a leaning of a preference towards the bottle and the way to like support breastfeeding is to try to mimic breastfeeding with the bottle and then right, with the right. pe- with the pacifier there's no milk coming out of that so she gets that that's not a nipple <laughs> right right yeah and jen also has uh one side that is uh, it come, the letdown is is very quick, and the other side is not. So mm. I feel like Eloise has gotten <laughs> quite the variety of milk delivery devices because I've tried the Komotomo, uh-huh. I've tried the Tommy Tippy, the I think it's called Advent. Um, I have yet to do a Doc Brown's, but the, we have those two. We got so many for the from this baby shower that I'm really running through them and just seeing what she likes. And you know, nothing. Not, she has never stopped wanting to feed so it's not like no <laughs> she's adaptable like yeah so jeremy so, anyway, I, when... I got to i got to feed her in the morning oh yeah and it was amazing i got to start my day off by feeding my daughter and it was like the best thing and we hung out until she either pooped or napped and then i went to work and it was awesome so nice. that was such a cool part of the last week and a half that i i just would never trade for anything love that now 
step back to that 10, you know, nine, 10 months back. Um, what were your thoughts at that moment about birth? And then also like finding out you, your wife was pregnant and you had this like research bug inside you. How did you prepare? What were your expectations? <laughs> so everybody says every birth is different, right? Mm-hmm. That's like the mantra that if I'm going to speak directly to a partner or a dad that is not quite a dad yet, you're going to hear that more than anything else. Every pregnancy is different. So what that did to me early on was really think about what can I prepare for? Um, what can I do ahead of time? Because I know that what how birth is portrayed in the movies is not how it works. And there's no good uh, examples of it that are in the, the public eye, that are in mainstream society. You know, you have to go search out birth videos on YouTube. And most of the time when you do that, you, you don't have somebody there explaining what is normal and what's not. So mm. it just comes across as, man, either I'm in the, this feels like an invasion of privacy from these people, or it's like, what is going on? This is scary. And so what happened uh, when I found out that um, Jen was pregnant, we just, we did a lot of talking, a lot of uh, just research on the pregnancy, and we tried to focus on uh, Jen being as healthy as she, she possibly could be and doing what we could, everything that we could to ensure uh, the health of Eloise. At the time, we didn't know it was Eloise. So... That is kind of how I address birth. I just thought, all right, there's birth classes. We are um, going to do as much research as we can as far as the realistic birth. But right now we're going to focus on pregnancy because that's kind of more immediate in the first six months. So regarding the pregnancy period, what were things that came to you that were like epiphanies of, Ugh, every partner should know about this. This is something you don't get told. Yeah. Uh, number one, people are going to tell you weird freaking things and they're going to talk to you strangely. Uh, I did not understand what that meant from Jen until I was with her when we had a lady selling us a cinnamon roll and decided to tell Jen about her horror story of a birth. And that I was not prepared for. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that a lot of people... Well, I can't say a lot of people that I didn't hear about ahead of time is that you're, everybody wants to share their bad birth story. And that is 100% the polar opposite of what a first-time mom that's expecting needs to hear. No kidding. <laughs> it's just like the, the absolute opposite. Uh, the other thing is <laughs> – the number one thing you're going to be told is you better catch up on your sleep now, which you can't do that. Like that, that's, it doesn't work that way. Nope. <laughs> Those are two things. I'm like, guys, this, you can't be like, Oh man, you know what? Um, ice packs on your nipples are really going to help with breastfeeding. breastfeeding. <laughs> like do or, it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or frozen, uh, uh, frozen, what, what are they called? Peas. Sanitary napkins, I guess. Oh. No, the other ones, the bigger, thicker pads. The maxi pads. Uh, thank you. Yeah, those big ones. Take those and freeze them with witch hazel and aloe vera in them because when you get home from the hospital, that's going to be awesome. You know, they don't tell you that stuff. They tell you about how their doctor uh, missed, I don't know, something or another about some complication. And it's going to be in public and it's going to be a stranger and it's going to be weird. So if, if I can say one thing, just prepare for that. If you're prepared to hear that and you don't hear it, you get a little win. Uh, I guess some of the other things, some of the positive stuff, um, it's weird. I had this – I was thinking about this all day today and um, – Hmm. Now you're drawing a blank. Now, I love the thought about the padsicles, and I'm yeah. sure that everybody who's out there listening or, or expectant, like other partners, are going like, what did he just say to do with the <laughs> with the maxi pad and freeze it? Like, And what do you do with What? Is it nipples? Is this, where is it going? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so 
I, yeah, I will link on the show notes. Um, I actually have like, there's different sites where you can see the recipe for it. But basically, it's ice pads in a very convenient, handy, easy to grab and use manner for, you know, for for your privates, for like icing stuff after delivery, if you had a vaginal birth, because you might have stitches and it's just going to be sore down there. And swollen. And swollen. Yes, very much. That was one thing that I, that the nurse told Jen that I <laughs> didn't even think of. I was like, oh yeah, it is going to be swollen. Wow. You know, it just stretched so much and had somewhat of a trauma happen that ice on something that's swollen it just makes sense. What we didn't do correctly when we made those pad sickles is you really need to douse those things. Like I maybe put a couple of ounces of witch hazel and a little bit of aloe vera. Because Jen and I sat down and made these one night. I think we made probably 60 or 80 of them while watching Game of Thrones or something. (laughs) And we really should have doused them. I mean, really get them heavy and sopping wet. Because when we put them in the freezer, we thought, oh, those are cute. Fold them back up, slid them back in their little pouches. And then when we got home from the hospital, and Jen was like, you know what? Those those padsicles, those, let me, will you get one of those for me? Absolutely. Give it to her and it's warm in 10 minutes. So we just didn't put enough liquid in that. And in the in uh, the birthing center, because we, we didn't give birth at an actual hospital. We gave birth at a birthing center, which is attached to the hospital. Right? Is that correct? It's, it's, I think that one, it's more of a branding thing because it's pretty much of a, of a hospital. Like a birthing center tends to be freestanding and only run usually by midwives with one supervising OB. So this is more just like a little bit of the name. Yeah. But it is very natural friendly. Yeah. The terminology terminology I'm going to use is hospital. So when we were in the hospital, they would actually freeze newborn diapers and use those as padsicles, Mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of funny. But yeah. Like they put ice in it or get them really wet and then freeze it so that you get this little ice, yeah, little chunk of ice that is going to, as it thaws, it collects in itself. Like it doesn't leak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jen thought that was, uh, thought that those worked really well and enjoyed them. So. Cool. That's one thing. Just make that stuff ahead of time. Um, I did have a, a one one thing on the, the list here. Uh, when you if you give birth in the hospital, uh, there's going to be a lot of smells when you get into the new labor room. One of which is they cleaned the room with vinegar, so it it was different going from the labor room into that room via the hallway and everything, and it's smelling like vinegar in there. But when they bring you the food your lunch or dinner, don't open it unless you know what's in it. Don't open it to see because the very first night we were there was chicken or a fish stick night. And my wife does not like fish, especially out of a box and then (sighs) deep fried. And my mother-in-law opened it up and the entire room smelled like a fish kitchen. And Jen's stomach just was not having that. So, oh, no. <laughs> if there's one thing, I don't know why they would serve that there, but uh, if there's one thing that I can recommend that very first night, just check on the menu that they give you and take a look at it and see what's actually underneath that little black dome before you pull it open. Open it outside before you bring it into the room. Great. That's, Great. Yeah, that, that's even fine too. Yeah. Good. Okay. So, do you want to, do you have any more pregnancy? Um, related stuff that people should know, the, like the OB. What was surprising about the OB back room? Okay, so the OB back, back room, uh, Jen switched, I don't even remember when, maybe it was early on, uh, 10, 20 weeks or so, uh, switched from an OB to the midwives in, in our little city here. And when we first started going to the OB, I uh, I went with her and stayed out in the in the area before and in the waiting room, and then we'd go out and go home. Well, I wanted to be part of everything, so now that she was pregnant, we would go back together. And the first time I went walking back, it, not only was it like a maze back there, but it seemed like every person who looked at me had the look on their face of, you know, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. And whether they did or not, I'm not sure, but that's how I took it. And it took me about three visits or four visits before I just stopped caring, and I'm here to support my wife. And that is, that was something that I just wasn't ready for is like, you know, the look of who are you and, oh, oh, you're the dad. Okay. So you're just going to sit there and be quiet, but I wanted to be participatory. So 
like one of our midwives, uh, the one who actually uh, delivered for us, um, who caught the baby, mm-hmm. Juana, was just unbelievable. I think she jumped up to my face because there's, what, 13 midwives? Yes, in that group. Yep. Yeah, she jumped up to my number one favorite because every visit, they Jen leans back on the little table thing and they get out the... I don't know what that thing is called. It looks like a Doppler radar or something that they put on her belly to listen to the heartbeat. Yeah, the Doppler. Yeah, every single time they do that. The one and only time she looked at me and she goes, have you, have you found the heartbeat yet? I was like, no. She goes, come up here. Okay, because so I would stand there and hold Jen's hand. But I had never done anything before. She goes, yeah, here. And she grabbed my hand, my right hand, and she put it right above Jen's waistline. And she squeezed a little bit and said, do you feel that? And I said, yeah, that is like a lump in there. She goes, yeah, that's a cranium. That is your child's head. I was like, what? No way. You know, <laughs> super excited, right? All getting emotional on the inside. And she goes, I, I asked, how do you know that? I'm one of some one of those people that just uh-huh. says why all the time. I got to know why. And she goes, okay, so twi- uh, sh- uh, shift your hand, adjust your hand left to right, you know, side to side. And she goes, you see how it rocks with you? I said, yeah. And then she reaches up around the top and puts my hand on what turns out to be uh, Eloise's bottom and moves it there. She goes, you see how that doesn't move? That doesn't move because that's the bottom. And her hips don't move like her neck does. So we know that the baby's not breached, that her head is down. And then take this and put it in this region and then twist it until you can find and hear a heartbeat. And I got to do that. So Juana was super engaging and just welcoming. And really everybody at that practice was very, very welcoming. Is very, very well. So cool. It was so different to switch from this OB, which was, you know, clinical almost and uh, not welcoming to me. Jen felt somewhat welcome. She liked a couple of people really, really well, but everybody else, uh, it just didn't fit her style. So we switched, which took Jen a lot of uh, not hemming and hawing. That's not a good way to put it. it she put a lot of thought into mm-hmm. switching a practice midway through a pregnancy. It's a big decision. Yeah, and she did it. And she said that was one of the best decisions she's ever done because being excited to go get a checkup, being excited to go to these these appointments is such a good thing for her morale and for just that um, that carrying that mental health of being pregnant. Yeah. And I also find like partners tend to be that afterthought of the person who tags along. Right. And, you know, already being a situation that it's not happening in your body and that like you've never been in an OB backroom or, or, a, or a midwife backroom. So that is very alien to you already. And yeah. having to step up and like try to own that it's it's very easy to just go like yeah i'm just along for the ride which is kind of sad not because i'm not judging partners on that i'm i'm judging the whole system that it shouldn't be like that like we should be welcoming you should be able to go here have the doppler and check out Uh, your baby's head so i'm so thrilled that you had that experience um and that and that you also like are the type of person that wanted to like was there in the first place, right? In order to be able to hear your baby's heartbeat and have that experience, you had to be at the visit in the first place. Yeah, I got. I I'm pretty lucky at the uh, the job that I have now. Um, I can get off pretty much any time that I needed to, and I did not miss a single appointment. And it was so nice being able to go and see my pregnant wife halfway through the day, get to listen to my unborn child's heartbeat, and then go back to work for a couple of hours. And it was just such a good time. And I encourage anybody and everybody to ask. I mean, just ask. If if the person who's holding that little Doppler says no, then you might be with the wrong practice. Like it's, mm. It should be that easy. It should be that simple. Say, hey, can I find it? Or, you know, you're your biggest advocate. Get up there. Ask about it. Be part of it. You're going to see uh, your girlfriend, your wife, your fiance, uh, Whoever the, the the mother is who's with you, you're going to see her look at you differently. You're going to see her really not feel so isolated and like she's in this alone. And, and that was awesome. Yeah. And also those little moments also point to the like you start getting glimpses of the, you know, the the, the parent that you're going to be. Yes. Because 
it's like, oh, look, you know, in your case, it's like he's interested. Look, he's like listening. He's and and how excited you got about it. Like she's watching that and going, oh, and starting to feel a little relief that you do indeed have her back. And this is not all on her. You know, (laughs) absolutely. And I I don't I'm not a guy who, who prescribes to be a macho just to be, you know, considered a man. I really don't care. Uh, uh, that has no bearing on, on my personality and how I approach life. Uh, I want to be there in the moment. And I was super excited to be a dad. And I'm 33 right now. And that was, I'm ready for it. You know, mm-hmm. it just didn't happen to me when I wasn't ready. We were ready to be parents and we made the decision and took steps necessary. And luckily, we were able to have children. And now I have a beautiful daughter. You know, this. I can't say that this same Cinderella kind of story is going to happen for everyone or you're going to feel the same. But, you know, I I had no idea how to be a dad and I still don't know how to be a dad. I've been a dad for a month. Yeah. But... Yeah. There's no <laughs> one way to be no, a dad. And no. that's the and thing. you got to figure out your own path. If all you have to do is just be excited about it, that's like, that's it. That's all you got to do is just be excited, be participatory and actually care. That's it. Mm. And everything else will come and follow that. That's such a nice, like, stress-relieving, calming, because I know that a lot of partners are very anxious about this whole process because of the unknown. And am I going to be able to, like, be support her properly? Am I going to be good at the birth? Am I going to? So let's yeah. do a quick recap of so far for pregnancy. You've got people are going to tell you weird things. Um, yeah. And so ideally if you can switch to instead of having them tell you that story ask him about like what really worked for you then you might get ideas like the padsicles for afterwards um (laughs) know that in the postpartum there's going to be weird smells in those rooms so don't open your food right away (laughs) yeah (laughs) and during the visits like It'd be involve yourself, ask, get a chance to be part of it and actually like, you know, touch that belly and figure out the head or like, even though the baby's in mom, you can still build a connection during pregnancy with your child that's in there. Yeah. And just to add on that a little bit, you know, I was lucky enough to have parents that uh, really fostered the fact that I don't care what other people think. Mm-hmm. So I, I have that innate really lack of care about other people's judgment on me so i'm going to be in those in those meetings thinking you know the next time i'm going to see this midwife or this ob it's going to be years from now or a year from now or whenever jen's pregnant again you know i'm not going to be here next after she's done so it might not even be the same person working there i'm here for me i'm here for her in opposite order and uh i don't i don't really care if they are uh, taken aback that I asked to listen to the heartbeat or find it myself, you know, that doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. So please just get up there, ask about it, be, be in the moment. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. So right now we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to go zero in on the birth experience itself. Um, you talked about a little bit about like the swollen parts were a little bit of <laughs> something you weren't expecting right so yeah. i want to i want to pick your brain and get more into like what were those things that the parents uh, partners need to know and that you were sort of a little bit taken aback or surprised by so we're going to take a break right now be right back hey doulas and doulas to be black friday is coming up and bebomia is offering 40 percent off all their training for doulas birth workers and parenting experts not only do they have the best business memberships to help doulas double and triple their income they also have continuing education courses and certifications such as breastfeeding education pre and postnatal fitness fertility specialists sleep education childbirth education training for working with diverse families and their eco baby certification not yet a doula and want to become one? Bebo Mia has a 13-week fertility, birth, and postpartum doula training all in one that they teach live and online so you can have hands-on learning and go at your own pace. All the courses come with private support groups so you can meet with other birth pros and talk to your instructors 24-7. Bebo Mia offers all their programs online so you can do them from home so no daycare and no travel time. 
They offer payment plans as well, even for their Black Friday sale. Grab your spot November 24th using the code FRIDAY. Go to bebomia.com for more info. That's bebomia, B-E-B-O-M-I-A, bebomia.com. And we are back talking to Jeremy Buchak. All right, so in the birth, what what were you expecting? Like, what were, did you have any wishes for the experience or something you were looking forward to or something you were apprehensive about that you, you know, you were a little bit anxious or scared about going into it? I tried to minimize it as much as possible. I really, really did not try and build it up in my head. And what I was learning on the way up, you know, one more thing about pregnancy more so than the birth is Jen doesn't know either. You know, this is our first child and I, asked her for nine months leading up to the birth. What was that? Everything okay? Do you need anything? What's going on? And she didn't know. I mean, she's going through it too at the same time. And I learned a little bit early that, you know, just sometimes when she's in pain, all she needs to hear is that sucks. No, I'm here for it, whatever you need. So going into the birth, it was kind of, I tried to hold my expectations. I wanted a healthy child and a healthy mom. And I, I know this sounds, sounds all uh, rainbows and butterflies, but really I tried to hold my expecta- expectations to just that so that I could be in the moment and take it as it comes. Mm-hmm. So then the day comes and things are happening. What, what was surprising to you? <laughs> uh, I was, it was uh, like a weird calm before the storm. It, we were both kind of pacing and Jen was having contractions and, uh, but they were small ones and infrequent started getting more and more frequent, but definitely not, uh, the Braxton Hicks or the practice contractions that were happening earlier throughout the week. Um, also Jen was a week, uh, almost a week, six days overdue. And she gave birth on a Saturday and this was happening starting at about 8.30 a.m. Friday morning. So we were kind of just going throughout the day, and it would stall. We talked to you several times. Uh, what was interesting about it is that she, when she got into her a place where she's happy, like our garden, it really helped her deal with the pain more so than just sitting in the house on the couch. Uh, it's kind of like if you're going to hear you know, some hard-to-hear news, you'd much rather be at home than in an airport or the hallway of a school or something, right? Be somewhere comfortable. Be somewhere that, that you feel safe. And that really did change her outlook on it. Like We got in the pool, and we swam around and uh, garden and just kind of paced. And the whole feeling was very anticipatory, you know, that uh, I'm not sure if you've ever played any athletics, but it was that moment where you're dressed, but you're not out at the game yet. Mm-hmm. and we were ready, everything was good, everything was packed, our bags were there, our paperwork was there, everything was ready, but Eloise wasn't ready yet. So <laughs> we, we just kind of had to wait, right. and it was it was like a, a calm before the storm. Yeah, um, and then you got into, like, things started picking up? Yeah, things started picking up, and then they stalled, mm-hmm. which totally normal right that's what everybody says every pregnancy is different how was um, that for you so the, i think that's one thing that people don't know though that that labor can start and stop and you know squit like move on a little bit and then eh, take a nap and then hit full force and then like i think yeah we, uh, go ahead we got so lucky in that it started at 8 a.m like a job on friday and I was working from home for the a couple of days before that. And so I was there with her when she uh, would have contractions that were irregular that lasted, you know, so ever, however many part, minutes apart, maybe 13 and then 20 and then 17 and then 20 and then eight and then three and then 20. And it really messes with your emotions, especially when it goes on for like three hours. You're thinking, is, is now the time? Mm-hmm. Well, on Friday that was happening, but it was different it was happening more often they were more regular so you'd have like six of them in a row at you know 15 13 minutes and then it would jump up to a 20 minute and then it just stopped 
and it was almost like it went on break. It mm-hmm. stopped at like 7 p.m. or something, maybe maybe 6 p.m. And it just didn't happen anymore. And I think you came over. I came uh, over just before that. And yeah, never, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was kind of like doing that of not being very intense. Like I think it was more intense a little bit early, and you guys called me, and I said, you know, I'll come over. And then once I got over there, it was like everything was good. But, yeah. you know, so we walked around the garden and we looked at things. You showed me veggies. I got purslane, which you hate and I love. <laughs> I hate purslane. I, hate <laughs> I love purslane. <laughs> it's high in omega-3s. Um, and, and, and yeah, it kind of during that time that we were together, it kind of just really petered out. And Yeah, it, it really did. It, yeah. it, that was a, looking at my notes, it was a quarter after seven. Mm-hmm. The notes that you took wonderfully, by the way. I did not expect that. Um, I can't say to take notes because I was not in a position to take notes. I was so happy we had a doula. Yeah, so you let happy. your doula take the notes, and hopefully you have a doula yeah. that does this thing that takes notes. Say, we had yeah. you as our doula. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so it, it was really cool to have these notes to look back on. And, yeah, it just stopped. It just paused at, I don't know, maybe seven thirty, eight o'clock, and it stopped for a good three hours, I think. Which I thought was wonderful, right? Like my doula brain goes like, fabulous. She's been up all day. They've been working. They've been anxious. They've been, like, this is the time to just take, get in bed and get to sleep. Um, and I told you guys that. And I think Jen was like, okay, I'll go up. And, and, and we kind of like tucked her in bed and I left. Yeah. Yeah. She went upstairs to take a, I guess it would have been a late nap and early bed. And mm-hmm. I think she was up a couple hours later. It lasted probably... Three hours, I think, two, three hours of a big, long nap that she was able to get. Uh, and then it came back. But it didn't come back with, like, a vengeance or anything. It just it came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a little bit of bloody show, and they, they felt different. And then they stopped again early in the morning, and that's it. They just stopped, and mm-hmm. we were able to get sleep again. It's almost like uh, – that it knew we needed some sleep to prepare for the next day. And then it started happening the next morning. Yeah. And I, and so like my mantra for that is your body's not going to betray you. Yeah. If, if your body knows you have to do this, it's going to give you a break and, the, and time to get your energy so that you can do it. Yeah. And for me, it was a lot of standing there and watching my, my wife in pain. Mm. And, uh, it's tough. It's very tough. Uh, to to watch her in any sort of pain, but knowing what's going to come out of it, I, I was happy. I was so happy because this baby was already six days overdue. Well, at that on that day, it was five days overdue. And we were, she was ready to be done preg- being pregnant. She was ready to have it come already. And I was just so happy to know that we're finally starting. We get to go through this. There's no more waiting. It's like, you know, when you get delayed and you're waiting for your plane to take off or mm-hmm. some big delay in your life that finally shows signs of moving forward, real signs, not faking you out anymore. <laughs> and that, it was really exciting and weird at the same time because I didn't want her to go through all this pain. And her mother actually had a really funny analogy. And it was like waiting for Christmas Day, but knowing that on Christmas Eve, you're going to have your hand smashed. yeah knowing that something's gonna happen that's really painful and really it's gonna test you mentally and physically but you get christmas day the next day Mm -hmm. you know you get this day of gifts and um this wonderful gift that that is my daughter and it was tough it was easy for me to look at it and go you know here it comes i'm not doing it i'm just supporting her and seeing her go through that was it was cool because she's played roller derby and seeing her compete was awesome, but it never compared to this. This mm-hmm. was something new. This was something uh, primal and intense and organic. Yeah. And it was really beautiful to watch. Oh, what were some of the things that it, so as a partner, as a support person, like what are some of the things that were helpful to you in trying to help her or to be able to cope with that sensation, that feeling of like my loved one is in pain and I can't do anything about it. Like this pain is actually good, but how, you know, how do I deal with that? Cause it is hard to watch the person you love go through, you know, be in pain. 
Yeah. Uh, she. So she went internal to deal with it and then would come back. And early on, so like on Friday in very early labor, uh, she would internally deal with it and kind of push through the contraction and not a lot of vocalization. I was just there for you know whatever she asked for. Uh, I tried to make sure she stayed as hydrated as possible. Um, do the whole rubbing thing from the lower back, rub the feet, rub the back, the upper back, the shoulders, the legs, any, absolutely anything. I should have a masseuse license by now. Anything <laughs> that, that was in pain, you know, rub it and see if it would help. Uh, ice pack, heat packs, you know, just be ready, be ready to help and be willing to help. The willing is the biggest part because if, if you come across as not willing, it would be better if you weren't there you're now distraction mm. so just be willing to help want to be there and if you don't want to be there just, just you know go in the other room i i don't know i i've never i didn't i wanted to be there so it's what i found helped me in the short term but when i look back on it it hindered me and that was timing the contractions you know this is this is early labor they were all over the place um every pregnancy every pregnancy is different and the other part that was really hard to hear and put to use was that you'll know. Like when active labor starts, you'll know. Well, yeah, you'll know now that I've gone through it. But beforehand, I didn't have any sort of bearing on what that meant. Um, you'll know means she's doubled over. It means she cannot speak until it's done. It means the world stops around her. Like that's what it means. If you're thinking, could this be it? That's not it. And it's just flat out, that's not it. When it's happening, it's happening. And that's what happened the next morning. Uh, I was doing, I was timing the contractions and it really just kind of became a distraction because looking back at it, they weren't, they were all over the place. They, it was nice to know when they stopped, but Jen knew when they stopped and she took a nap. I mean, right. <laughs> it's, it, it was, kind of soothing for me to try and be scientific and clinical about it. And okay, these are the contractions and looking at a roadmap of, uh, of the birth process, but really in the end, just trying to help Jen get comfortable and help her stretch or rub something or make sure that she was eating because she was in pain. She didn't want to eat, uh, making sure she was hydrated and comfortable really. And I think you make a great, great point about that. If, like, if you're questioning if this could be it, be it, it's not it. Because, but it's tough too. Because you, there's that whole mind game of the due date, and it's coming, and now it went by, and it's overdue, and contractions started, and finally, and you're super excited about it. So then, you know, like you've got all this pent up energy that needs to do something, and timing contractions seem to be the thing. So then you go there, where. You know, like you're saying, it would be a lot more helpful to forget those timing, the, the, the timing of the contractions, because it's if you have to. It, yeah, that's not it yet. No, no. Um, and it, it, you hear about the stories, the stories that are stuck that were stuck in my head was the baby being born in the truck on the way to the hospital. Mm -hmm. the, the the kid that was born in the driveway because they couldn't even get into the car and the ambulance came and like that's your body's working at tip top shape 100 percent to be able to do that. To be able to have a kid in you know an hour it's what's not said that stuff hits the news what's not said is the ninety nine thousand other births that happen in a hospital duration is what 12 to 15 hours from uh, active labor sometimes yeah for active labor yeah you know, 24 to 48 hours it's that's most likely what you're going to fall into and if she can talk to contractions you're not there yet. No. You need a and... mood change. You need, like, you need some, her get into an unhappy place. Because it's labor. It's not walk in the park. Right, right. And if a guy gets kicked in the groin, you can't talk through that for the first couple of 10, 15, yes. 20, 30 seconds, a minute. Like, you, there's no talking to that. So in the first half, the early, uh, the early labor, Jen could talk through that. She chose not to. Like she would focus and kind of grunt a little bit, and she would ask herself, uh, "Can I? Can I really talk through this? Am I talk? No, flat out, you can't talk through. 
<laughs> it just that's not the way it works. So that was one of the biggest keys that if I could tell somebody, you'll know, you'll know, you'll know, you'll definitely know. Like there is no question about it yeah. at all. Yeah. You will know. And I do appreciate that, that you're saying like, you know, focus your energy on helping your partner, your wife, your, your, the birthing person be more yeah. comfortable. Um, and, and don't forget about, cause a, a, a contraction pattern of active labor is not going to sneak up on you. Like 511 is not just going to go, boop, ah, here I am. Like, as you're saying, it's, it's, it is very clear in that it can't be anything but right. that. You can't miss it. No. No. So yeah, if you like you're saying, if you're questioning it, it's not it. <laughs> no. <laughs> that that would have helped me tremendously because that was one of the more one that was one of the parts I was more nervous about. Uh, yeah. Because Jane Jen has a high pain tolerance and uh I was worried about uh, her just pushing through it. You mm-hmm. know? Is it bearing and grinning? Right. Grinning and bearing, whatever that bearing grin it. Yeah, no, grin and bear it. Grin and bear it. Close enough, right? Yeah. So I was worried about that, and all of a sudden, we're having a home birth, and that was—that's not the case. That's no. not the case at all. I mean, from the point at which we knew we needed to get to the hospital, it was another uh, four, five, six, almost six hours later before birth happened. Yeah. So it's not—you're not anywhere close to that. So that's an awesome one. Like, you know, if you're questioning, it's not it. It's like doubled over. And I like the analogy of being kicked in the groin. Yeah. I got to say. Yeah. And it's, I'm not comparing pains at all. I, I did not want to bring that anywhere no, no, near the no, conversation. No. It is a fact of being able to talk through the pain. Yeah. Yeah. So things start ramping up. Mm-hmm. We like go to the hospital. And then what is surprising to you about that new environment? So the hospital, uh, we're talking, we're entering now active labor. Be prepared for puke and lots of it. If you, if you don't come across, if the mother doesn't throw up, you know, congratulations, Mm -hmm. at least plan for it. I wasn't planning for that. I did not think that that was going to be, uh, play such a prevalent role and jen did end up taking uh the dissolving tablet under the tongue of antinausea i don't remember what dolfran yeah she did take that and that i mean that pretty much stopped it right away what Uh, but it doesn't always it was good in her case but yeah yeah for her every pregnancy is different right for her it worked (laughs) (laughs) and i just wasn't expecting that so i was out in the garage looking for a small bucket or something for the car ride you know and and jen became self-conscious about it because she's throwing up in the car when we pull up and she's like oh my god this is all happening at once and i was like no it's all right you know everything's fine and you were there and it was like oh great awesome you know i have I have somebody else to help me with this who's been through. I have no idea how many birds you, you've been through. I know it's a lot. I've been involved in one, and at that time, it was it was zero. And so having that calming presence there was really helpful for, really, for Jen. I mean, she knew that I was nervous as well because, you know, I've never done this. And I tried not to show it. I tried to be as calm under pressure as possible. But uh, it... it was there i was nervous and you brought a great presence of calmness which was nice and so we go in to triage and i gotta say you have swagger man (laughs) you're walking around talking to people and no you have names and all of a sudden your little fancy name tag came out (laughs) you know where light switches are that shut stuff off and uh you drew a bath for in the room like it was unreal all this stuff that i just I don't even know if I would have thought of, let alone acted upon. Right. And they were done already so that I could focus on Jen. That's it. And well, so, that's Amir Sherpa. I know the yeah. territory. I know the terrain. You know, and this goes back to when Jen first got pregnant. We have a couple of friends in Baltimore that um, had a baby nine months before, uh, a baby who's nine months older than Eloise. And she is Jen's childhood best friend. Her husband when we started talking about it, he goes, get the doula. Like, what are you talking about? What? You know, get the doula. I'm like, oh, okay, tell me some more. 
and we talked about it because I was, I had this stereotype in my head, right? That you're going to show up wearing like some tapestries and waving incense and a dream catcher. And it just, it was, was not like that at all. <laughs> well, no, no, <laughs> no. And it was, it, I wish I'll send you the link. I'll have to find it and send you the link so you can post it with the, on the show it notes, yeah. A, yeah, on the show notes. It was somebody, I think it was from a dad's perspective. Yeah, it definitely was, about um, hiring the doula and how the doula is really there to support the the partner just mm-hmm. as much as the mom. And that couldn't be more true. And that really convinced me to have an open mind and to go into it thinking, man, this is somebody I'm putting on my team. This is not anything else. This is not... Uh, anything beyond a team member, you know, somebody for support. And it was really cool to have that. So when we went into triage, I did not expect to get a questionnaire. I I mean, if you can, maybe contact your hospital or wherever you're planning on giving birth and ask him what questions are going to be asked at admittance. Because we went, oh man, how many we run through? 20, 30 questions? It is an insane amount. And it's like it's the admittance questionnaire for anybody. Not It's not specific to labor and delivery. It's the hospital in general. So they ask you stuff like, you know, how many how many flights does your house have? Yeah. What flights of stairs. Yeah. Is the bathroom in the first floor? Like that could be relevant in case of a cesarean just for mobility sake. And but otherwise, it's just, yeah, it has to do with hospital blanket policies. So if you get those questions beforehand, you can at least talk about them and have those have answered those questions before you walk in the door. I didn't even know they asked that. And I was kind of taken aback when I'm watching Jen feel nauseated and uh, have to change clothes and get into this bed. And uh, so much stuff is happening and they're hooking up monitors and all this stuff. And then I'm supposed to ask how many flights of stairs are in my house? I complicated it's a center split so kind of one big one and then a little one and you know mm-hmm. and it was it, get that ahead of time call them ask them what their admittance form is ask them what those questions are so that you can have them ready and um, Jen got to a point where she couldn't answer them so uh, they asked her f- for her permission for me to answer them and I answered him the rest of them so it's it was really simple stuff but I just wasn't expecting that yeah. especially and we just got there Right. And even if you have answered them before, like they need they need somebody to answer them right then when they're admitted. So they'll ask you yeah. all of them again. Yeah. And, and just ha- be ready for them. At least yeah. know that they're going to be coming. And so let's go over the other things that like usually included in the triage admittance that so that people know about this. Um, and, and this is I, I think it's pretty universal, but definitely in our neck of the woods. So you need like you said, you got to change into you don't have to. But they they sort of said, you know, here's a gown change into it. You can wear your own clothes. So there was a few, one thing to know. You don't have to change into that gown if you don't want to. Um, right. Then they need a 20 minute heartbeat baseline of the baby so they need a strip a monitor strip um, of 20 minutes which requires the the mom to be wearing monitors for 20 minutes which which... is basically a big plastic piece of something heavy laying on her belly tied down with an ace bandage which are ridiculous because they're flat the bellies are round yeah they're not anatomically appropriate. So there right. are, anytime mom moves, those things tend to move too. And then you have to restart. Yeah. So ideally you don't move for 20 minutes, but you don't have to be on your back. You could be sitting up. Right. Or on your side. Yep. Whatever is comfortable. The thing is, the other thing they tend to do is a vaginal check. And that tends to be on like lying flat on your back Mm -hmm. so that's why i see a lot of times you know go in do the monitors no lie down because you're going to get a check and then do the check and you're so you're stuck on your back laying down which is probably the most uncomfortable position when you're in active labor (laughs) on your back for 20 minutes so know that you can move but that you need 20 minutes in one position and it's also two monitors it's one monitor for the baby's heartbeat and it's one monitor for the contraction so it's two separate pieces of flat plastic metal against your skin tied down with an ace bandage. Yeah. 
Yeah. They, oh, yeah. Wh- while you just got to the hospital and just after you found out uh, it's happening. Like mm-hmm. when you know it's going to, ha- or when you think you can't miss active labor <laughs> and you just, you just had it. And now all this is happening at once. While this is happening. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Heads up for that. Then you also have blood work done. Right. And I didn't understand that because we talked about the HEPLOC, which is, um, how do you explain what a HEPLOC is? It's like an access port, right? So they don't have to keep sticking you. Yeah. And it's not a needle like this. I've been told to tell to say this because sometimes people don't understand it. It's not like they put a needle in your arm and a needle stays in there. It's actually a plastic bendable catheter that stays giving access to your vein. So stuff can come in. Um, yeah, it's very flexible. It goes inside. Yeah. Uh, it's actually applied with a needle and then the needle comes out and the catheter stays. Right. And so, and nothing needs to be necessarily hooked up to it. It's just there as a, in case, unless you are in an area of the country where IV fluids are part of the protocol, but you could refuse those. Now, Jen is not a fan of needles. Um, (laughs) When she had to get her blood drawn, when she was the very first one, uh, in early preg- mm-hmm. pregnancy, not a fan of that at all. She had her whole life. It's just been a part of who she is that that is not at all an enjoyable experience or even it's barely tolerable, tolerable. Uh, I'm making up words now. That's so, all right. We, I do that all the time. <laughs> so uh, knowing this, we were going to try and be, uh, we were going to try and go without the headlock by we, I mean, she, I didn't need one. Um, so she had the whole plan of, we're not going to do that. That's unnecessary. She was strep B negative. So she didn't require any antibiotics. And the whole goal was to have no pokes. We didn't know about the baseline blood draw that needed to happen. Right now. Shame on me for not finding it in the research. Or... And I feel like it's one of those things. Like, I don't think about saying these things. And now I will. And now we have a podcast so people can listen, like an episode. People can just listen to this. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I felt bad. Like, when you're saying, I didn't expect this, I was like, ah, I should have said that. Yeah. So because Jen was throwing up, she was starting to get a little dehydrated and her veins were hard to find. Mm-hmm. And they poked her. I don't even remember how many times, two, three times in the beginning. And then they were fishing around trying to find, no, it was more than that, I think, uh, trying to find a vein that they could draw this blood for their baselines. And they pulled on her arm up at the inside of the elbow, right? And then they tried the outside of the arm up on the, the forearm area. I think that's where they actually got it. Was the, No, 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 that was later. Tried the forearm area, and then they tried the top of her hand, and it went through the back of uh, the vein and started swelling up in her hand, so they couldn't do it there. And at that point, I had asked them, can we just can we get her more comfortable? Can we wait until we get in the room and just do this later? And I really it, appreciated that moment of advocacy because the admittance process was pretty much done, and she had, you know, the the 20-minute strip of monitoring the baby's heartbeat had been done. All the questions had been answered. Like, now it was you could move to your room, but yeah. this blood draw was holding that that action up and I had already they told us what room it was I'd got I had gone over I'd started filling up the tub because I knew that she wanted to go in the tub she was she loves water and she was in you know she was in active labor so it would be really helpful and she was getting poked over and over again she hates and yeah and it wasn't with the heplock it was with an actual little butterfly um I, I don't know what they're exactly called, but they're a little tiny, small gauge needle with a little butterfly grasp on yep. it to draw blood. Yep. Uh, knowing this and knowing what happened later, I would have said, I would have pushed and said, not pushed, but we would have had a discussion. She probably would have chosen to do the heplock at that point because they could have drawn the blood right out of the heplock. Right. And that's one of the things you don't know. And she was expecting, she was hoping for no Heplock. So, but I, but like I said, I really appreciated you going, you know what, can we do this? Just asking, like, is there any reason why we can't do this, get to the room first and try again? And then they were like, oh yeah, no problem. So. And triage, by the way, is five beds in a big room. And everyone has their own little stall with bright lights everywhere and lots of beeping and lots of hustle and bustle. Not at all a delivery room. 
No. At all. And so, it's different okay. in every hospital. Right. So that's that. That's one experience. And other ones, it can be individual cubbies, but it tends to not be very private. Yeah. And I wanted to get her in comfortable if possible. Yeah. So they, they agreed, and we moved to a delivery room. And that's where we're going to stop for today. Tune in next week to hear what happens next, including quite a traumatic experience for Jeremy that the rest of us didn't pick up on and which really speaks volumes about how trauma is defined by the beholder. And as I say every week, Mighty Ones, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at Birthful, so come say hi. And don't forget to go to Birthful.com to take advantage of the 50% off sale going on right now. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Bebo Mia and Expectful. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriski. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.